Hey friend, do you wanna offer meaningful learning solutions that create behavior change, fit in the flow of work and yield real results for your nonprofit? If yes, this is the podcast for you. Join me as I explore instructional design and leadership development best practices, as well as change management, belonging, and influence. If we haven't met yet, I'm Heather and I've been in your shoes. I'm a learning and development consultant and founder of Skill Masters Market. Before starting my business, I led learning and leadership development initiatives for a large national nonprofit. I know what it's like to need to develop your staff quickly and effectively and to build the relationships and cut through the organizational layers to be successful. And I'm bringing all of that to you in this podcast. So block your calendar, turn off your Teams or Slack chat, and let's dive in. It's learning for good. All right, welcome to this week's episode of Learning for Good. If your nonprofit or association is delivering in-person or virtual instructor-led training, you probably have trainers who lead that experience. This one role can make a big difference in the outcome of the training. And while I focus a lot on creating the training for impact, it's also important to support the trainers. And that's why I'm so excited to have a guest on this week's episode, author Dave Powell. Dave wrote The Presenter's Dilemma, and I can't wait to hear what he has to say about developing presentation skills. Let's dive in. It's learning for good. All right. I have Dave Powell here with me today. He is the author of The Presenter's Dilemma. A little bit about Dave for you. Dave is an enthusiastic, lifelong learner with advanced degrees in organizational leadership and management. He is married with one daughter who he loves dearly. He is recently retired and is a 43-year veteran of one of the nation's largest nonprofits. He was recognized as leading faculty for the YMCA's National Training and Leadership Development Program, and he also worked at the local level from a program director to a senior vice president and COO. Dave is a certified national trainer in 20 skill and leadership-based core learning areas within the organization and three different learning modalities. He is also a highly thought columnist for the organization's professional journal. Dave Powell has been presenting for the majority of his life, including as a young man directing youth camp in the summer, the large groups of colleagues at conferences and assemblies across the country. He hopes to teach others what he has learned through successes and mistakes throughout his career. Dave has experienced anxieties and sleepless nights, worrying like many presenters. He often found himself contemplating falsely falling ill and hoping someone else would fill in for him. He is writing this book because when people speak or present, they become hooked. He's found these skills are transferable to all speaking engagements, no matter the position within an agency. Speakers learn from their mistakes and become better each time they stand before a group. So with this book and this episode, expect to become passionate and excited about others' successes. Dave, thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you, Heather. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you invited me. Yeah, I'm excited for you to share a little bit more about you and about your book and presentation skills in our episode. Before we dive in, I always like to get to know my guests a little bit. So tell us about your career journey. Well, the nonprofit that I worked for was the YMCA, and that's where you and I came acquainted. And I was glad to do that. And it was one that my journey, you talked about my career journey here. My career journey was you know, probably from a young kid growing up, I grew up through the YMCA in Southern California. And basically, and this is not a woe is me story, but both my parents, I was an only child, both my parents were alcoholics. 
So I did anything I could to get away from home and into an environment that was safe for me and fun and that kind of thing. And that was the YMCA, which I traveled to after school almost every day. I met staff folks there that were certainly inspirational to me. They were my mentors and my role models, though I didn't call them that. That's really what they were. And I really respected these folks. And I hope to be one of them one day, which I think I did, but only others could tell you that. But it was interesting because I got involved in about every club and program you could at the Y. And I also enjoyed the behind the scenes. So I really loved being in leadership roles and that kind of thing. I never dreamed that I would ever be working for the organization that I grew to love so very much during my early years. And once I got started getting paid to work there, it was great because I spent the next 43 years as a career YMCA professional in all different areas. I was able to just about learn, you know, how from fixing toilets at YMCA camp to driving boats across the ocean to the camp that I managed for a number of years during those times and came back and actually ran YMCAs, became executive director and a CEO of different YMCAs and had about every experience you could. Last part of my Y career was at the National Y for 12 years. And that's where I finished out. And I had a very fulfilling career. I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, thank you, Dave. That's one of the things that I loved seeing at the Y. People have lifelong careers in the Y, and you are a prime example of that. And so one of the things you did while you were in the Y was you were a trainer and you did this. It was a kind of a initially kind of a volunteer trainer position, the way the Y works. And so you were able to learn quite a bit about presentation skills over the years. So before we jump into what those skills might look like, tell us a little bit about why presentation skills are important. Why should a nonprofit care to develop presentation skills for their trainers? Well, I think it's very important for people in any kind of profession, whether it be profit or nonprofit, to learn the, the skills of communication and selling. We're all virtually selling ourselves in some way or another. In nonprofit, well, in profit, we're learning to sell a product or services, but in nonprofit, we're selling the mission or what that organization does for others. And so at one point or another, in both nonprofit and in profit, we are communicating with others and having to do a good job doing that, motivating people to come and join us or use our product if we're selling for profit type of things. I realized that through my organization, that the people that I really came to know and respect were great communicators and they were very inspirational type people. And they would get up in front. And I never thought I could do anything like that as a young person, but I became very enthralled with it. And it became very enjoyable once you got over some of the challenges of being a presenter. So that was really some of my motivation. I always challenge people when I'm presenting is think about a teacher or a coach in your lifetime that you admired and what were the qualities they had that 
caused you to admire them and think about how you can develop those skills within yourself and formulate a style and a repertoire that you're able to talk with people and motivate people and enjoy doing that and create a cadre of folks that will then you're serving them as a mentor at that point or as a coach or a teacher. So that was my motivation and it fell into that as I moved on in my career and wasn't always very good at it, but I became so much fun that it wasn't like working. I enjoyed that part of my job so very much. Yeah, that's great. Great advice. And so you were a trainer in the Y, but you also supported trainers in the Y. So I'm sure you have seen your fair share of challenges and you've heard what people face beyond just what you face as a presenter, as a trainer. So what are those biggest challenges that you see? Well, you're absolutely right. Part of the job that I had with the National Y was I had 17 states that we developed learning pods or learning centers and developed uh, presenters from that, that. And we had a whole list of skill sets that we would try to develop and then train to our other staff had a very intricate training system throughout the Y. And some of the challenges and things that I found through my travels and dealing and developing relationships with others were things, well, I have two different ways, internal and external. And the internal ones are really things that I face myself. And I share this in the book that I had the opportunity to write. And it can be funny and it can be tragic, but they're things like classophobia, which is the fear of public speaking. And if you can believe it, 75% of people out there, studies show us, are absolutely scared to death to speak in front of other people. And basically, some of those people, I won't say all of them, but they feared speaking in public more than they fear death. And that was always quite fascinating to me because I know how it was when I was younger. I had some of those same fears and probably not more than death, but more than how in the world can I get out of this if I had the chance. Until you get to enjoy it and learn some of the skills, then it becomes a challenge. The challenges sometimes manifest themselves in physical symptoms like excessive perspiration, shaking, fear of choking, dry mouth, dizziness, elevated heart rates. And really the common word for it is stage fright, as simple as that. Even people, and I found out through some study for the book, were people like Thomas Jefferson, Sigmund Freud, Abraham Lincoln. They all suffered from stage fright at some point in their career. Another social anxiety disorder which is a big word, but is scopophobia. And this is also a fear of people staring at you. And you can imagine when you're up there and you're worried about what people are thinking of you or how are you coming across to others, that sometimes happens. And that sets people to death and it manifests itself physically as well as, as mentally or emotionally. You have nervousness, you have blushing, excessive worrying, elevated heart rate, uh, even sometimes as serious as panic attacks. And we've seen that happen in all kinds of different venues around. And we don't like to see that happen. We tried to train people to not go through those things and 
I always thought of it in a very simple way. When you have this energy that seems to be challenging you to speak in front of others or present in front of others, you attack it with turning that negative energy into a positive energy. And at that point, you're able to use that energy into a way to help your presentation go a lot better and a lot smoother. And once again, have fun with it. And basically, enthusiasm is probably the best way to overcome those kinds of things. Enthusiasm, as you probably are well aware, is very contagious. You know, so the external challenges that I found along the way, which are more mechanical in nature, but they could be things like, is your venue set up correctly? Do you have everything that you need? Do you have audiovisual equipment? Do you spend enough time making sure those things are working correctly that you're not the last minute blowing your presentation because your PowerPoint isn't working if you're using graphics or whatever it may be? How do you look? How do you present yourself to others? That sort of thing. And the biggest, one of the biggest thing is knowing your audience, knowing the kind of people that you're talking their age ranges, their experience levels, their, their status within their own organization, those kinds of things. So if you know your audience, that makes the presentation go a lot smoother because you're giving them something they need. And it's always about them, not about you and what you're trying to portray to them, but what they need and how you can help them get to that point. Do you wish you could connect with other nonprofit learning and development leaders? I know what it feels like to want someone to bounce ideas off of and to learn from someone who really understands you and your work. Imagine if you could have a simple way to meet people in the field, ask questions and share information. That's why I created the Nonprofit Learning and Development Collective where nonprofit L&D, talent management, and DEI leaders can connect with each other quickly and easily in a virtual space. When you join this community, you will walk away with a new, diverse, and powerful network and a sounding board for your staff development needs. So if you're ready to exchange ideas and collaborate with your peers, come join the Nonprofit L&D Collective. When you're talking about challenges, it can often get to be a long list. That sure can. (laughs) You talked about fear and fear can be debilitating for some people. And so I would imagine that can be a big challenge for many people who are presenting. And you talked about using the energy, turning it into enthusiasm, that kind of thing. And then you also gave us some of those external things that can be a challenge for people, whether it's, you mentioned the AV, things like that. And you shared some tips around being aware of what those things are, practicing, knowing your audience. Is there one, one additional kind of practical tip in your book that you would want people to walk away with from our episode today? Well, yes. Very important that you rehearse. When you go to give a presentation, you're not going to show up five minutes before the presentation and just give it from the top of your head. You're going to rehearse it. You're going to practice it. If it means getting in front of a mirror, recording yourself, a friend or a colleague, give you some evaluation as you go through it. But I recommend in the book that five to seven times at a minimum, you rehearse that presentation. Even if you've given the presentation in that same format 
time and time again, rehearse it. And that way it comes off smooth. It comes off, do you know what you're talking about? You're respecting your audience at that point. And I can't reiterate how important it is to meet the audience needs or your client needs or whatever it may be. It's all about them. And if you can meet their needs, it's going to take you a lot further. So that would be the one thing I would say is always practice before you go into those events or those situations. Great advice. And I am going to take that advice. I actually am presenting at a conference tomorrow and I am planning to spend some more time this afternoon practicing my presentation. So good advice. Good takeaway. (laughs) Well, good. I hope it comes out well for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So how can a nonprofit that is maybe providing training, maybe the training isn't up to par, maybe it's a bit mediocre at the moment, and they feel like presentation skills can help. How can a nonprofit develop these presentation skills and their trainers? Well, I think the first thing that the leaders in that organization need to do, or if it's services or whoever that they need to do, is make sure they take it seriously. It isn't something else you do. It is what you do. It's very important that you put your best foot forward. And I think that as you are developing your staff and everybody on your staff, when I used to be in operations, I'd have all my key directors or whatever be an expert in one subject that they could train to others, whether it's inside the organization or outside the organization, that they're able to do that. I find that if they're not strong at doing that, we discover local presenters that we can send them to that they can watch and learn from as they give their presentations, either be service clubs or other organizations that work close. That sort of would be very important to do. They can learn from the good ones and they can learn from the bad ones. They can learn what not to do and what turned them off to that presentation. And the good ones can copy, they can mentor, they can develop their own style as a part of their own presentation self-style that they're developing at that point. I think also organizations need to create opportunities for their staff and themselves if they have a, a smaller organization where they are out giving presentations or they're doing it internally either to a board of volunteers, if it's a non a nonprofit, their own staff teams, whatever it may be, or they're out either giving presentations on their expertise to other groups within the community, small or large. I think that's very important that they get a lot of experience out there just doing it. And that's where a lot of the fears and challenges that we talked about earlier will dissipate because their folks have at least gone out there and watched and learned. And the more you learn, the more comfortable you get. Now, I will go back and say that you should never be totally comfortable when you go and do your presentation. You need to have a little bit of nervousness. You need to have a little bit of edge on. And that it's like riding a motorcycle. You want to keep that shiny side at all times. Once you get too confident, then it goes the other way and you may have an accident. Same way with presentations. You want to make sure you have a little bit of edge and you're keeping yourself ready at all times and never know what you're going to face in front of a presentation. You may come up with some folks 
that disagree with you and you have to how do you handle those disagreements and do you lose your temper you lose your cool or do you know how to handle folks that are maybe not as agreeable or causing some kind of distraction within the presentation that you're giving other things that you can do i think one of the best things you could ever do is you join a group like toastmasters now believe it or not heather this may be a little trivia for you but the ymca started Toastmasters way back centuries ago, it seems like, but a long time ago. And Toastmasters puts that edge on. You present almost every meeting and the evaluators are evaluated. The person who gives the invocation or flag, flag salute are evaluated. And so it's a real challenge as far as what's happening within a meeting. Toastmasters are brutal when it comes to giving you, getting you out there evaluating you, making you present, and get your skill set better, making you more comfortable. That's one of the best ones. Dale Carnegie courses that are out there, that's another outlet that you're always giving presentations. You're always honing your skills. You're sharpening your saw, so to speak. So those are the areas I would say that internally, you could help your own organization or people within your organization become better presenters or better speakers. Great. Lots of options there. And I do happen to agree on getting people the training that they need and giving them the opportunity to practice because that's really where you start to get more comfortable. You develop that experience and something that feels maybe more safe and more of a safe environment. And then you slowly can start to take on bigger presentations or be in environments that feel a little, I don't know, scarier even. And for the record, The Presenter's Dilemma, I think you could add a subtitle, How Presenting is Like Riding a Motorcycle. <laughs> so tell us, Dave, The Presenter's Dilemma, where can listeners find your book? Well, this is an interesting story. I decided one of the things I'd do after I retired was try my hand at writing. And so that is actually the second book that I did. The first one was a practice book. Could I do this? And where they could find it, I did it through Amazon. And Amazon has some great features as far as helping writers go ahead and publish their book without having to find a publisher or that kind of thing. And so you can self-publish and they print your book on demand. So when somebody orders it, they'll print it and send it out. They'll also have it on ebook. And then the other part, it's another branch of Amazon, but it's audible. So I have the book in all forms, an e-book, print version, and audio version. So that was quite fun. Now, it's not my voice. You can tell I probably don't have the best deep voice narrating, but uh, I do have a narrator, a professional narrator who narrated the book. So if you're the kind that would rather listen than to read the words, then by all means, it's available that way. Just go to Amazon, put in the presenter's dilemma, and it'll pop up and it's not very expensive. So go ahead, take a shot at it. Great. So three ways that you can read that book, ebook, printed book, and also listening to it as an audio book. That's great. So head over to Amazon. We'll drop a link in the show notes for you all so you can grab that book. Dave, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. I enjoyed it very much. I'm glad they also put a plug in for my book. So <laughs> thank you.
Of course, of course. All right, everyone. I hope that today was valuable for you. I think we all have so much to learn from one another. And it's one of the things that I hope to bring to you as a learning for good listener. So I'm glad Dave was able to join us today. Hopefully you have a practical tip to take away with you and know that you're not alone if you have a fear of speaking. Dave, thank you so much. And learning for good listeners, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Hey friend, was this episode helpful for you? Did you like what you heard? Do you want more content like this? Here are three things you can do. Hit subscribe. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast app of choice. Share this episode with a colleague. This means so much to me personally. I read every review, but it also helps me learn what content you like most so I can create more of what you want. All right, turn that Teams or Slack chat back on when you're ready, and I'll see you next time on Learning for Good.